Good morning and welcome to Backstory with me, Noreen Mayer. We have a rather special guest with us this morning. He's taken Hong Kong by storm year after year since he's been here. From setting up a news and cultural platform called hongrong.com to running the Hong Kong Helpers campaign to advocate for the rights for domestic helpers in Hong Kong. And to finally setting up the Hong Kong Free Press, an independent English online newspaper backed by possibly one of the biggest crowdsourcing funding campaign in Hong Kong. And the man behind all of this is our guest this morning, Tom Grundy. Good morning to you, Tom. Hi, Noreen. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for, for, for being here. How does it feel hearing all of, uh, well, this is not even all of the things that you've done. These are just parts of things you've done. And you're a young man of, I believe this week has just been your birthday. Happy belated Yeah, birthday. I'm 33. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's weird to hear the intro. It's the last last few years, I suppose. Yes, been a uh, quite manic but uh thank you i don't know how i can live up to this intro oh you you are living it up you are the man perhaps let's start with your childhood let's go back to the beginning you're you're originally from from the uk whereabouts are you from and what did your parents do um i'm from the black country um which is near birmingham and um and don't confuse them. That's how you upset some of some of my uh, my, my neighbours. Um, it, it used to be the industrial heartland of, of the British Empire, you know, when we used to run things. But uh, uh, through Th- Thatcher, I guess, and, and the rise of China, um, the industry there sort of sort of died. Um, so it's it's it is quite a, a deprived area, but it's 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 a hell of a mix. Like no one really cares where you're from um, in 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 Warsaw, which is uh, near Wolverhampton. Um, I mean, my mom, uh, we've always lived in a, in a shop, a 1950s-themed uh, traditional uh, corner shop. Uh, so you have to go up to the counter, you ask what you want. Uh, and this was a way that, you know, my mom would be able to, to look after me uh, as, as I was growing up. And she still does it now, uh, 33 years later. Um, I don't think it, it makes much money. They have the, the lottery, um, which... Uh, which you know, you get some loyal customers who come in for a ticket. Um, but, yeah, I, I go back every every one or two years. Um, my dad, we lost to cancer when I was uh, a teenager, but uh, he, was, he was a funeral director, actually. So um, quite unusual. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, um, I left for university when I was like 17, 18, only one in my family, uh, I guess, to go and study. And since then, I've been doing a lot of traveling and eventually find myself settling in Hong Kong. Did you have a happy childhood? Um, I, yes, I guess so. Um, it was, uh, I suppose I was the last generation, um, like a lot my, my age, who grew up pre-internet and screens and devices and things like this. So, so yes, it was a classic sort of, you know, going around the neighborhood on your bike and calling for your mates and, you know, meeting people. And if they weren't there, you had to deal with it. And um, Actually calling people up. Yeah, 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 on the landline. <laughs> uh, so... So yeah, I, I kind of think of those times, I suppose, and and often, particularly you know, with the job I'm doing now, uh, long to get away from all of this technology and screens, and, and maybe have a year off sometime, but uh, probably not any time soon. But uh, but uh, but yeah, um, being around the neighbourhood and, and all the kids, and you know, running riot really, I suppose, uh, um, it was a happy time. Did you enjoy school? Um, I went to a really nice primary school, um, 
where there was such a mix of people that, I mean, we would say good morning in 10 different languages every morning. Oh, wow. Um, mo- mostly South Asian languages. <laughs> you know, you would, Very nice. And we visited a, a temple, a mosque, a synagogue. Uh, it was... Very you know, multicultural. Yeah, is that is unusual? Um, in our area, you know, everyone you know, was just super expect, uh, ex, ex, uh, accepting and... You know, just didn't question really growing up in, in this kind of multicultural environment. It was only really when I went to uni in Leeds um, that I noticed, you know, oh, wow, you know, there's uh, Hong Kong's, <laughs> Hong Kong, uh, Britain's quite white, and, you know. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, my, my primary school was very nice. My, my Catholic secondary school, probably less so. Um, uh, but, but still, I, you know, throughout these years, I would probably make myself a centre of attention, I had my own sort of mini media empire, oh. embarrassingly obnoxious child. So I had a little radio show, a, a family newspaper with, with all your pet news and, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and would make my own little TV shows with, with our little uh, video camera. So, That's um, brilliant. Did you know very early on you wanted to be a journalist or what did you want to be? I think I wanted to be an actor because, uh, as I say, I was pretty obnoxious. But, <laughs> But um, but yeah, I suppose so. From from when I was under ten years old, looking back at these old crusty VHS videos, which I, I luckily uh, digitised a, a few years ago, that um, the yeah, I was very interested in the media, um, and and actually, as I got older, it's what I ended up studying in the UK, but chose to kind of hold off because coming from a more working class background and the sort of free internships you're you're meant to be expected to do and basically having to be in London it, it was just not really an option when I graduated and and with a student debt so um kind of bunkered down in in education in Hong Kong for a, a few years before making the leap yeah did you enjoy teaching um I, I miss it a little bit now um <laughs> Probably less hectic, a little bit. Yeah, and and the, this, all the decisions, you know, ev- every day with news, it, it is a bit exhausting. But uh, and it, and it was it was very uh, simple life, and you got a lot of time off, and it was very well paid working on the government uh, native English teacher program. Um, but I suppose you know there comes a time where you question, you know, should I follow my heart, uh, and and you know actually give it a go and as as you turn 30 i suppose you, you start asking those questions um but you know during your 20s i think a lot of people will will focus more on perhaps the the money and career um and then um you know save save some up and do something like i'm doing now or they might do it the other way around and just follow their heart in their 20s and uh and get serious about saving money and things uh as they get older, so maybe I've done it the wrong or other way around. Yeah, I think you're doing it the right way around. Did you, growing up, did you have a, a, a mentor? I, I ask you this because the previous guests before who maybe have lost parents uh, at an early age, sometimes when making decisions in, in our teenage years and then a bit later, there isn't that sort of father or mother figure. Um, well, I suppose my, my question is, um, losing your dad in, in your teenage years, um, did you have a sort of another uh, role model you, you could look up to? Uh, uh, I suppose, of course, you, you, your mum as well. Um, any other mentor-esque mm. figures? If I had to pick someone, obviously, I think my long-suffering mother who has, has got us through all of those uh, years um, and never stopped working in the shop, as she still does now, she protests whenever I try and have a travel or come out here. She took out a house valuation and a will, you know, 
um, when she flew into Hong Kong just the once in the last 10 years I've been here because she's so terrified of flying. So she's, I suppose, the rock and I was... Uh, and, you know, I did probably torment her a lot when I when I was younger, which I regret. But uh, but you know, as for mentors and coping with with, with some of that stuff, uh, you know, after we lost my dad, there was both my grandparents and aunties and uncles. So in quick succession, uh, we lost a, a lot of the rest of the family to to, to cancer mostly. Um, so there wasn't really that breathing room or chance to. Uh, think about it or deal with it um, and I'm not sure any of us really have to be honest because uh, it all happened you know very quickly over the space of a few years and then you're kind of fleeing the nest uh, but uh, but yeah that it was it was tough I suppose but uh, I owe it to my mom yeah you know uh, older people now that your mom is old uh, have have a real resilience uh, about them and they weather these sort of things and stubbornness <laughs> Probably that is. I wanted to take it to New York this summer, but um, but it's not happening. She will not have it. So she doesn't like flying, or she she prefers when you go home. I think any deviate. She obviously wants me to come home a lot, right? And it's very difficult with um, Hong Kong Free Press and whatever. But I, f I find that perhaps as your parents get older, any deviations from you know the normalcy and propriety, uh, it becomes very stressful. So simply, you know, driving uh, somewhere she hasn't been before, it's. Uh, can be quite stressful, but um, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to force her. So I, she doesn't know, but I'll, I'll probably make her come down to London at least and we'll watch a show. Very nice. So let's talk about your journey to Hong Kong then, Tom. How did you end up in Hong Kong? Uh, on the Trans-Siberian Express, and I was dressed as a chicken. I used to um, travel a lot in various costumes because um, I, I found it just opened up other, you know, in, interactions with, with, with local people and... Uh, I think I've got nine or ten of these things. I don't do it now. But, um, but no, I first came over on more of a gap year after studying journalism at university, um, doing a, a, a teaching program with, a, with an NGO. Went back, looked for work in the sort of development and NGO sector, and it was very difficult outside of uh, London, so I was actually a property manager for a charity in Leeds for a year. Uh, I miss Hong Kong, and like a lot of people, always end up, you know, returning. Um, so I got the train over, you know, through Europe, Russia, Mongolia, China, over a couple of weeks with just a backpack, and um, I've been here since. Um, I got onto the, the, like I say, the native English teacher program, and was on a, was with a with a very nice school in um, in uh, in Tokwawom. I can almost see your life being a movie. You backpacked to Hong Kong mm. and did all these things, started the Hong Kong Free Press. Well, teaching, it, it at least gives you a lot of time off. So I've, I've traveled to most countries in, in Asia over those years and very grateful you know, for it and, and the time it gives you, um, although it can be quite hectic during term time. But uh, it's more difficult now. But, uh, yeah, so, so most, uh, most of our Asian neighbors traveling. Yeah. What was your impression of Hong Kong when you first got here? Um, it's it's tough to remember, isn't it? Because you start taking things for granted very slowly. A place simply just becomes home. 
and it's not exotic or you know to you anymore and it's only when you kind of have visitors you know as a expat i suppose that you see it through fresh eyes yeah. and and they look at all the signs and and you still have those moments of course you know when you wander down to to the harbor but yeah it's tough to remember but now i just kind of take it's just default you know home you get permanent residency uh, and now it's a bit weird just just going back to to britain i suppose with huge blue skies and you know no pollution i mean it has um some things over, uh, over over hong kong but generally i prefer it here and um i suppose it's it's that cliche of of mix of east and west and it being quite comfortable um i can still buy my marmite and weetabix and stuff you know uh, that 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 keeps me around so tell us a little bit about hong rong why did you decide to set that up um thinking back i don't think i'd be doing what i was doing now without um uh just getting into reddit which is a a social bookmarking sort of forum where you'll find a lot of the news particularly viral pieces have have derived from people posting links on there and uh and i was doing that for many years it's quite addictive and then i realized oh pe- people like reading you know uh, certain things i've been picking up maybe about abandoned villages or politics um and so i launched hong rong uh, just as a blog just for fun really and um it was more of an advocacy political platform a lot of the time um i organized this support snowden rally um and we still have uh, an annual pillow fight with um uh, with the people who follow that blog but uh it became i suppose too too big for its shoes we 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 wanted a more serious sort of news platform and it was at its capacity so um to cut a long story short i i i quit my job got permanent residency um cut my teeth reporting at the occupied protest started a journalism masters which i'm secretly still finishing um and i think it was last christmas the one before uh, this one um that i i built the website quite hastily and um and launched last june uh, so yeah one thing led to another from hong rong into hong kong free press yeah I'm I'm in awe completely in 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 awe by the things that you've done uh come to Hong Kong with a backpack and here you are starting possibly one of the biggest it's the biggest crowdsourcing funding uh, campaign when, when we did it it was the fastest funded and largest crowdfunding campaign yet uh, since then there's been factwire which is a, a similarly a, a news a Chinese and English newswire it's not yet launched Um but yeah and we got a lot of attention from BBC Al Jazeera MSNBC I think the timing w- was was very right I wish we were around you know during occupy it would have been great to have such a platform um but I I think in the next week or two we will become the second largest um English news Facebook page we the traffic is pretty decent I think there's a lot of momentum the the uh the the funding issues I don't think are particularly unique to us but I think as as i found myself the, the boss of this i i thought i'd be doing a lot more sort of journalism and writing editorials but uh i i tend to be solving problems with recruitment and then switching to solving problems with uh with funding and then back to the other i'm very scared they'll both hit at the same time some day but um but yeah so i'm doing a lot more management and less journalism than i thought Tom I have to say we're great fans of Hong Kong Free Press at at RTHK uh, Radio 3 uh, especially um you and your colleagues constantly find great stories perfect stories which is news as well but there are other elements to it which it, it's it's news that people don't really pay attention to as well how do you guys find these sort of stories and and why do you think people like these things how do you know 
Well, we were launched on the idea that there is a lot that is missed and that um, there's a lot of diversity in many titles, you know, in, on the Chinese side, although they tend to be more conservative pro-Beijing, but very few places to turn uh, in English. Uh, so um, Chris Cheng, who is at the heart of a lot of um, our, our local reporting, he's, he's on a training course in the US at the moment, um, he, he is responsible most of the time for finding these fresh angles and identifying stories that are being underplayed or you know, haven't been picked up by the South China Morning Post or others. And sometimes we'll actively avoid those which um, other sources have, have run with. I mean, we've got a huge list on our, uh, on our workflow system of original stories, ideas we've all had that we'd like to pick up. But uh, we are, of course, a lot of the time quite limited by resources and money and staff so it's it's hard to get off the hamster wheel when there's expectation that people want you know a full day's news and we're putting out you know 10 15 pieces a day but uh i call myself the office idiot because i'm the only one who, who doesn't speak chinese so so the, the kind thing you said there is nothing to do with me with spotting these stories most of the time um you know getting the right angle and headline on these things um i can help with but um it's it really is a, a team effort and um you're very humble because i spotted this also when you were doing hong rong as well you also had very good stories and i presume that was also you it, that was just me and it it, it was yeah th- things i'd spotted that had been missed but i would barely do one a day so so this we, we're very reliant on on everyone and in, uh, in in the team and until recently we were all paid the same i mean um it's it's very much equal footing uh, and everyone is bringing a different sort of skill, you know, like like any team. We have some people who are better with China, some better with social media, um, Chris and Karen on the Hong Kong newsbeat. Um, so it, it kind of works out. And despite we, we having one staff member away and having to recruit for a China person at the moment, um, it, some of the messiness behind the scenes, hopefully, uh, doesn't show. Um, and so, so we, we muddle on. Um, uh, d- despite the restrictions in, in, in funding. Yeah. Well, we have to give credit where credit is due. And even though I work for RTHA, I, I have to say, despite the limited resources with Hong Kong Free Press, you guys are so fast when it comes to breaking news. You, consistently, I, I see breaking news uh, from Hong Kong Free Press uh, in terms of English uh, newspaper faster than a- any other awesome. media. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, a lot of the time, sometimes if it happens on a weekend, I'll be just lying in bed at 10 o'clock and we'll piece it together. Uh, there's been a few uh, updates on the missing booksellers like that. And it's it's often a, a one-man band or, or another staff member has, has just submitted something, um, you know, at an awkward hour. Um, I think I underestimated just how much of a 24-7... You know, I, I wish these things and explosions and whatever would happen office hours, uh, Monday to Friday. But uh, Where we I, have enough people yeah, manning I, the desks. We, yeah. we were joking just before the Chinese New Year, like, we, 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 let's try and relax a bit. We, we were a bit overworked. Um, it would take an earthquake or a riot to get us to. Both happened. The next morning, you know, the, there was this, this tragedy the Taiwan. in Taiwan. Yeah. And, then, and then on what I guess is the equivalent of Christmas Day, you know, you, uh, when police and, and, and media, you know, are not really paying that much attention. Um, you, you, you had the unrest in Mong Kok, but, but Chris, who more than anyone I know, more than me, is just a 24-7 news operation, um, was down there, of course, recording video in one hand, photos in another, getting bashed around, came, you know, pretty injured a couple of days later. So it was just him overnight. He went to sleep at 7, 
and then Karen and me during the day piecing it all together. So it's 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 a it's a miracle really, but it it is the dedication um, of of my colleagues really. Yeah. Why have you decided to make it a completely multimedia platform, including videos? Uh, why not just transcripts of interviews and just uh, a newspaper? Um, I wouldn't actually call it yet um, a multimedia um, platform. We do very little in terms of video and we're trying to encourage more sort of, you know, audio and things like that. But a lot of people would like us to do things like podcasts, video, um, newsletters. They're all on the agenda, but we don't want to do it unless we can do it consistently and do it well, uh, you know, high quality. Um, so we hold back and we... We just want the basics to settle first, the hard news writing, the traditional conventions with, with that kind of writing and building that credibility. Um, we have the capacity to, to innovate and experiment w- with things, and we have and we will. But, uh, but for now, um, you know, it's, it's still kindergarten. We, we want to get this right with doing breaking news and, and, and the written stuff. And then particularly if we get more money and resources, we, we'll uh, venture into other things. I mean, video... That, that's a full-time job for one or two people. Um, so you, at the moment, it's very hard to spare, you know, when you've got a team of just uh, three or four, someone to, to do that. Yeah, how big is your team in total for the Hong Kong Free Press? Um, generally, three reporters and an intern. Um, at the moment, we've got an extra intern, um, and we're recruiting for someone. We're, we're looking for a marketing, a salesperson. Um, at there's times when we've had fewer staff and times when we've had more. We've had temporary staff or freelancers. or, um, but, uh, but generally, yes, it's a tiny team. We're based in Cyberport. We have free rent courtesy of, of D100. Um, so it's very lean. And we have really great digital tools so that uh, we can run it from anywhere. Um, it feels a l- you know, quite precarious sometimes. But you know, a lot of people thought we wouldn't be here uh, at Christmas. And we're still plodding along and we're safe for most of the year. Yeah, good for you, good for you. You brought along a song as well that's sort of significant to you. Tom, can you talk us through what that song means? To you? I, I know, I, every every interview I sort of ask a guest to, to bring mm-hmm. along their favourite song that's significant to them, maybe in a period of time. You, you brought along a, a more special song. You, you don't really have a favourite? No, yeah, I don't. <laughs> and I couldn't think of anything except uh, I used to like No Doubt when I was a kid, but I'm not going to subject your listeners to... Any of this. So I, I honestly just pulled it out of the air yesterday. It just reminds me of Hong Kong. It was shot near my house. Uh, it's, uh, it's by Grimes. I think it's only like a year old um, reality. Yeah. Let's have a listen.
terms of Hong Kong Free Press, are you ever worried you'll run out of money? And then what happens? Yeah, every day. But, uh, but you know, the, the BBC, this have, and until recently, the, the SCMP. And um, I know there are fights with RTHK o- o- over money in the government. Um, it's not unique to journalism. It's, why I, it, uh, it's not unique to us in journalism. It's why I avoided it for many years about this puzzle uh, of funding. Um, we're probably a bit more comfortable than some other independent online media that have launched in the last year who who, who blew a lot more money than us and we're very meticulous with, with, with this, the cents and pennies. Um, we're very reliant, maybe over-reliant on direct uh, support from our readers but uh, this is why uh, we're currently recruiting for a business development manager. We want to diversify and bring on all these different income streams, none of which work on their own as I've watched the, the industry over many years, things like uh, merchandise and events and micro, fun, uh, micro donations and advertising. Um, I mean, advertising has picked up for us a bit this year, but uh, none of them are the silver bullets, as, uh, as, as John Tang has, has been saying with his budget recently. Um, we need to kind of experiment with all of them. But, you know, whenever we've actually asked our readers to support us, they've always come through and it's worked out. So... Um, if we do have to have, you know, funding drives every six or 12 months, then we're not afraid to do that. Yeah. What if a Jack Ma came along and said he wanted to buy Hong Kong? Jack Ma can take a hike. It's not going to happen, <laughs> mate. Um, I mean, the, the whole point is that it's, it's independent, right? And you can't buy us out anyway. There are no shareholders. We're a non-profit. Um, the only people we are responsible to are ourselves and our readers. And that gives us a lot of freedom. And actually crowdfunding... Um, you know, as as much as it can often feel, you know, this feels like begging or, uh, you know, it's it's the best way because instead of having huge sort of investors or, or one-off massive donations like this, it's very diluted over thousands of people. And most, you know, we, we've raised over a million dollars this way and most are giving 200 or, or 500 bucks each. Um, and and that's, that's beautiful, really. And um, it gives us a lot of freedom to to in, in, invest uh, what we do have in, in whatever we want and do stories. We'd like to do more investigative reporting and things like that. But but no, we we, we would resist any efforts. I think we'd ro- we'd ro- it's not like we're going to be millionaires with this thing. We'd rather just kill it than uh, uh, than than sell it out in any way. Did you expect to be this successful? Uh, you, you launched this last year. Um, I, I suppose. I, we can't measure success by by um, money, but you in can terms with of, unique uh, visitors on, on yeah, your yeah yeah a, a lot of visitors for a new website um, it's it, it's done very well um, so so yeah perhaps caught me unawares and in the early days the, uh, the there's a lot of blood splat and and literally tears in in the newsroom because. We started with literally nothing. None of us had worked in a, a newsroom before. Most of us had, had graduated, you know, from masters in in, in this stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, and there's 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 a couple of couple of nights I joke about that I had to sleep over. Um, but uh, but but things have settled down. You get into your routines, and it slowly gets you know more professional and 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 you know once you've done the policy address and and covered you know a riot and. And, you know, there's only so many things that can happen and you have a sense of a, a, a template you can refer to. So when we covered the budget, we'd done something very similar a month ago with the policy address. We look how others cover it. And it, it's just great that it gets better and better uh, and choosing which stories in the morning. So I think I underestimate, I mean, it was my birthday this week, but I feel I've aged several years. But I underestimate that just, you know, six months ago, 
you know, how messy um, and headless chickens, you know, we, we all were back then compared to now where, you know, we have a routine and systems in place. Yeah, finally, before I let you go, Tom, do you have a message you'd like to share with fellow Hong Kong people? Yeah, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you're expecting something more philosophical, um, no, I just labour the point about donating and, and following us on social media. That seems to be my mantra at the moment. It's just 24-7. So, um, but, but thank you for having me. But, uh, but yeah, stay, stay tuned. That's all I would say. You're so wonderful and you're so humble uh, as well. It's really been great oh, no, chatting. Really. Oh, <laughs> and, and come, come to our pillow fight on, on the first Saturday of uh, April. We do that every year. It's, it's been central. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom.